Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. living in uh, one of the great disruptions of the 21st century, and perhaps even further back than that. We're living in the middle of a disruption that future generations will learn from. One day, grandparents will tell their grandchildren about these times of quarantine, these times of challenge, about the summer of 2020. Medical schools will use COVID-19 as a case study for their uh, future pandemic preparation. Now, there have been devastating plagues throughout world history, but this virus is more devastating than the others. And that's not because COVID-19 is more deadly than previous plagues. It's not. The reason this pandemic is more devastating and disruptive to us is because we believe that science had progressed to the point that we were immune to this kind of thing. The myth of progress has lulled us into believing that we were past deadly plagues. I was just reading a best-selling book that was written in 2017, okay, just three years ago, written by a globally famous New York Times best-selling author. And in that opening chapter, he makes the claim that epidemics are a thing of the past. That's in the dustbin of history. Just three years ago, an opening chapter of a best-selling book makes the claim that the future won't have to deal with pandemics. I bet he wished he could rewrite that introduction, don't you? See, the modern world has been shaped by the belief that humans can outsmart and defeat death. For most of history, humans just accepted death. And in that world, religions taught that our best days would happen after death when we lived in an afterlife. But then came the scientific revolution. For scientists... Death isn't a necessity. Instead, death is just a technical problem that needs to be solved. Death is the result of a heart that stops beating. Death is the result of a cancer that destroyed the liver. Death is the result of a virus that multiplies in the lungs. And science believes that every technical problem has a technical solution if we just have enough effort and ingenuity and enough time to figure it out. Today, we don't know how to solve all the technical problems, but we're working on them, and the myth of progress gives us the belief that we'll fix it at some point. And I have to hand it to the world of science. Over the past two centuries, average life expectancy has gone from about 40 years of age to 72 worldwide, and to more than 80 in some developed countries. And that's why COVID-19 is such a disruption in our lives. It's destroying the myth of progress. And that's devastating. The COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted all of our lives in one way or another. At this point, my guess is that all of us who are worshiping together this morning know of someone who has passed away due to the pandemic or were one degree away from it. Uh, Some of you have lost your sources of income, but all of us have had our lives disrupted in some way. Yes, this is a disruption, a, a disruption we didn't choose But we do have a choice about how we will respond in the midst of this disruption. 
As your preacher, I've been thinking a lot about the choices that we have to make in this season. So I, I opened my Bible and I began to look around the pages of Scripture and I began to see these stories of disruption that happened all the way through the book. See, the Bible is a book filled with disruptions. Once you start looking for them, they pop up everywhere. And in these Bible stories, people respond in one of two ways to the disruptions that come unwelcome into their lives. Some people choose to regress, to go back to a former state where things were more certain, where things were more well, comfortable, right? And, and yet others chose to go forward into the future with greater freedom and joy. And so this morning, we're beginning a sermon series entitled Disrupted. Today, we're going to look at the first 12 chapters of Genesis, and in the coming weeks, we'll look at other big disruptions in the story of Israel, and the story of the early church, and in the stories uh, that have happened even since the Bible was written over the past 2,000 years or so in church history. And my prayer is that we will see these two choices, this choice of regression back to what's comfortable and this choice of journeying forward into what's uncomfortable, but where God is always inviting us forward with opportunity. Because I'm going to tell you, there is always an opportunity in the midst of every disruption. Let us pray this morning as we open God's Word together. God, I thank you so much that you are not a God who steps away in the midst of disruption. But you are a God who steps right into those stories and meets us in those places. And this morning, we feel that need, God, to know that you are present, to know you are working in a world that seems out of control, a world we can't manipulate with technical solutions. We're in the midst of sweeping, adaptive change, God. And that's hard for us because we don't like change. We like things as they are. We want them to go back to normal. And yet we realize in this moment that normal may look very different in the days and weeks and years ahead. So God, I pray that you would guide us as a church family to be your salt and your light, your hands and your feet, your words when needed and your silence and, and, uh, uh, when, when also necessary. And I pray this morning you would pour through me the gift of preaching. So that Christ would be formed in our hearts, we might have a story that we live out of in these uncertain times. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, somewhere I got the idea that life should be an unending succession of joys and successes. Perhaps it was the Disney, Disney movies I watched. Perhaps it was the fairy tales I was told. Perhaps it was the highlights on SportsCenter. Perhaps it was the children's Bible stories. And yet, on second thought, the Disney movies, fairy tales, highlights on SportsCenter, and children's Bible stories don't all have unending joys and successes. Every good Disney story has a conflict that's in the middle of this, filled with conflict, these stories. Every fairy tale has a dragon or a villain that works against the protagonist. Every highlight on SportsCenter of Michael Jordan jumping in the air, pumping his fist, has Craig Elo in the background, if you notice closely, uh, with the agony of defeat. Hashtag the last dance. And every children's Bible story has trouble and conflict if you read the entire story. See, the Bible isn't what most people think that it is. It's not a book filled with sayings and aphorisms that you stitch on pillows and put on coffee mugs. It's a story filled with imperfect people used by God despite their imperfections. And it's important to know that because many people think that God is absent when disruptions are present. But one read through the Bible disabuses us of that myth. Disruption is a part of life for the righteous and the unrighteous. 
And in the first 12 chapters of the Bible, which I'd encourage you to have your Bible nearby or your phone open, we're going to look at Genesis in just a moment, there are plenty of disruptions. The first disruption comes in Genesis chapter 2. For the first time it says not that things are good, but it was not good that the man was alone. It's the disruption of loneliness. Adam is alone. Adam notices it's a problem and God seems to notice as well. So God creates a companion, Eve, there to be a partner in the garden. But in Genesis 3, another disruption occurs because there's an antagonist who enters the story, a serpent in that picture and story. And the serpent offers Eve something uh, to take her out of her boredom or out of the emptiness that she feels. That disruption comes through the power of a suggestion that Eve has some kind of lack in her life. There's a fruit she has not eaten. And the serpent suggests that perhaps that fruit she hasn't eaten could fill a place that hadn't been filled. But when Adam and Eve eat the fruit, further disruption occurs. There are uh, consequences. They have to leave the Garden of Eden. They'll have to make their way in a world filled with thorns and thistles and disruptions and birthing pains. And the disruption continues. It multiplies. It's exponential. Adam and Eve, they experience a murder in their own family. Their older son, Cain, kills their younger son, Abel. Disruption, disruption, disruption. When we come to Genesis chapter 6, the disruptions had increased to the point that there's a flood that fills the earth. Talk about a disruption, right? The humans who died in that flood experienced disruption. And even those on the boat, Noah and his family, their lives are disrupted as well. We're around day 80 in this pandemic quarantine experience. And we can even go for a walk or even go to a restaurant if we feel comfortable to do so. Noah and his family were stuck on that boat for an entire year. Imagine that with all the animals. Disruption. And if you read on, you realize their re-entry to this new normal that they have didn't go perfectly. So give yourself some patience for the same thing. Disruption. And if you read on, you realize their re-entry, it doesn't go as they'd hoped. Now, if you look in this story, though, at the reason this all got started, the reason this disruption happens in Genesis 6, there's a reason that God gives for why the flood comes. Maybe it's a passage we need to pay attention to on a week like this. Genesis 6, verse 11. Look, listen to the reason the flood comes. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Corruption and violence are the reasons for the flood. It's still the way the world is today, isn't it? Where there is corruption and violence, disruption is sure to follow. I don't know that an illustration is even necessary this morning. And yet, another one I thought of a couple of weeks ago that isn't quite as related to the challenge at hand is there are 70 million refugees in the world today. Over 70 million people have had their lives disrupted because of corruption and or violence. It's an old story that is still playing itself out in our world today. And by Genesis chapter 11, it's clear that humanity hasn't learned their lesson after the flood. Now they're building a tower to the heavens uh, in Babel to make a name for themselves. So another disruption comes. God comes down and looks at their small tower and he confuses all of their language. Again, this massive disruption spreads them out over all the earth. 
It's a disruption. The stories of disruption I've shared thus far are all negative stories of disruption. The result of human sin, which is sometimes why disruption comes into our lives. But in Genesis 12, God has a plan for moving forward in the, out of the, 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 the embers, out of the ashes of the violence and the corruption that's gone on. And in Genesis 12, God calls a man named Abram for a purpose that God has. And that story involves disruption as well. Listen to this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. The first word God speaks to Abram is go. Go where? It's unclear where Abram's supposed to go. What is clear is what God is telling Abram he's going to have to leave behind before he goes into the future that's ahead. Go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household. Now some of you have heard or you felt a calling from God that was a lot like this. Speaking to some of you that even in the midst of this pandemic are wondering, what is the purpose of my life? Am I making an impact? Are we changing our kids and forming them in the way of Jesus like we'd hoped? Is this what we really want to do with the rest of our lives? A lot of you are asking these questions in this season. And maybe for some of you it feels like God's going to call you to some big change in your life. Or maybe out of this past week you're feeling a calling to do something. God's calling in our lives often will be experienced as a disruption. Because often when God calls us to do something, it's much clearer what we're leaving behind than what we're going to be moving forward to. And this is why we often stay in safety, even when we know God is calling us to go and do something. Because Abram knows if he obeys God, he's going to have to leave what he knows, his country, his land, his family. And all he knows about the future is there's a land God will show him at some point. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there. Knowing exactly what you were going to be giving up, what, exactly what you were going to be leaving in the midst of the disruption, but not knowing at all what God was calling you to in the future. So let's keep reading in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12. God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So where is God's blessing in chapter 12? And I think this is instructive in our own day and our own time as well. Is God's blessing back in Babel where the tower is? No. Is God's blessing back at Mount Ararat where the ark uh, comes to rest? No. Is God's blessing back in Eden where the uh, humans and God came together and they walked in the cool of the garden? No, they can't go backwards to those places. God's blessing is in the future. In the land God's going to show to Abram. Listen to the tenses of these verbs that God says. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And during this series over the next coming weeks, you're going to see this same story unfold again and again. That in the midst of times of conflict, in the midst of times of disruption in our lives that come from the outside, God sometimes calls us to do real big things in those seasons, and sometimes He calls us to just do faithful things, small things, over the long term that make a big difference. But you're going to see these options again and again in this series coming up. It's going to sound like a broken record, because in times of disruption, there are two options that we have. 
We can go back to the place of security that we have been to before. Or we can accept the invitation to move forward into the unknown. Hashtag Frozen 2. But here's the problem. What feels like security, the past, is a God-forsaken place. It's not that God wasn't there in the past. It's just that in this moment when God calls us forward, God's moving ahead of things. God's always ahead of us, you realize, right? Not trying to pull us back to some pristine, perfect moment. That's nostalgia talking. God is always ahead of us, beckoning us, calling us forward to the new world that he's begun when he announced the kingdom of God on planet earth. So the kingdom is already, right? Jesus has come and died. It's been inaugurated. Jesus announced this reign, the kingdom of God. But it's not yet. It's not here in its fullness. And we know that clearly on a morning like this. This is not the way the world is intended to be. But when we are inaugurated into the kingdom, when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, what we're saying is we are not people of the past. We are going to be people who journey into the future and go, not knowing exactly where we're going, but knowing God will be present there. See, what it feels like to be moving into God's calling in our lives is often unknown. It's unfamiliar. It's uncertain. And again, I told you, you're going to feel like this is the message every single week coming up. But as I look at all the disruptions through Scripture, I see this opportunity that the people of God either chose to go backwards to a place where things were comfortable, and what they find there is idolatry, what they find there is depending on things other than God, or they journey into this unknown future, knowing that God is going to meet them there in some point in the future, even while there will be moments where they feel like He's absent completely. You are in a disruption right now, some more acutely than others. And in this disruption, here's what I want you to know just week one of the series. In this disruption, there is an opportunity that God is calling you forward to. There's growth that's going to be hard that will be the invitation. But you've also got a choice to go back, to go back to places of addiction that have been comfortable in the past, to go back to things that Well, things seem more stable, or maybe it's better when it's just numb and we don't have to feel the pain in our lives. The future is always scary. The uncertainty is always scary. It's always more clear what we're leaving behind than what we're moving forward to. But I want to encourage all of us as a church family not to go backward because we serve a God who is ahead of us and who is inviting us forward in the midst of the pain and difficulty that may be there. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't always know what it looks like for this church. But I know that I don't want to go back to Babel. I don't want to go back to a garden that seemed pristine at the time but is now barred to us as humans. I don't want to go back to the moments in the past that seemed so safe and secure that I remember with nostalgia as if they were better than what they were. No, I want God to pull us forward. And I think that's what we need in this season of turmoil in our country. Our leaders who will point us forward. Our people who remind us that God will walk with us. That that the blessing is ahead of us if we'll walk forward with God and with one another. So that's the invitation in these coming weeks, is that you would be a people who would not look backward to where God acted in the past. Think about 1 Kings chapter 19. It's after the story that Elijah on Mount Carmel has had this great victory up on the, on the mountain, and then Jezebel's after him. It's a moment of disruption in his life. And what does he do? He goes backward. He, he goes to Horeb. He goes to Sinai, right? Because God's acted and spoken there before. And he shows up there, and you remember what God says when he shows up? He shows up in this whisper, and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
think what he's saying is, why are you looking for me in the place I showed up in the past? And then he says, guess what? You think you're alone in the future, but there are 7,000 others who've not bowed their knee to Baal. So go back and call those leaders you didn't know were there and march forward into the future with nothing to fear, even though Jezebel is in the land of the future as well. I don't know who Jezebel is in your life right now. I don't know who those 7,000 silent ones are that are ahead that you think you're all alone right now and isolated. And I don't know what the past moments where God spoke to you before exactly are in your life. But I do know we serve a God who is calling us forward to leave certain things that are known and to venture forward into lands that are uncertain. And the promise is that God's blessing and presence is there. So will you choose with me to enter into that future? That's my invitation this morning to all of us. Let us pray as we close this morning. Father, I thank you that these words that were written so many years ago are so relevant to our life in 2020 on a week such as this. Father, you are a God who walks into disruption at all kinds of moments. You're a God who lives in that place because you choose to live with us, and living with us means there's a disruption. But over and over again, you have been faithful to call your people forward and not backward. So God, I pray for boldness as a congregation, that we can be a people of the future, a people that walk forward with you into uncertainty, and not people who stay stuck in in the past. I pray that we as individuals and families would do the very same, that we would not walk back in this time of disruption into sin patterns and into places of comfort, God, but we would be willing to walk forward with you into your future, trusting that you'll be there and you'll guide us with a cloud by day and a fire by night. So God, we trust you in the midst of the season of uncertainty. And we don't sit on our hands. We don't sit waiting for others to tell the story of what your world is really about and how you want your people to interact. We lead because we're leaders in the kingdom of God. So God, I pray you would give us wisdom. That you would direct our paths as you promised you would in Proverbs chapter 3. When we trust in you and in your understanding, not in our own. So God, we do that. We put our trust in you all over again. And we acknowledge as we sung this morning that we are not alone. That you've never forsaken us. That you are with us even in the moments where it seems you're most hard to see and make out. So God, this morning I pray you would lead us. And that you would give us courage and boldness. That you would give us empathy. And that you would give us humility. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Twitter. You can find and follow us there at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.